This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman. Welcome to the podcast. It is a beautiful, sunny day here in the first week of December. It's Thursday, December the 3rd. And as I've told all of you, we're now getting close to being nine months into this uh, COVID-19 pandemic and things are changing every single day. Um, So I'm going to give you a little bit of updated information as to where we are with stimulus and the economy and stuff. Um, and today's topic is very relevant because, you know, dentistry's done very well. Dentists are buying practices. Dentists are building out practices. Dentists are remodeling. They're taking more space. They're expanding. They're buying real estate. And my really good friend, and as I've told you guys, it's not like everybody is my really good friend, but this guy is a really good friend of mine. Um, Brian Mills is a um, buyer's representative when it comes to leasing and buying space. Uh, I've known Brian for probably 15 years. And Brian is the guy that I go to if I have a client who wants to lease space, who wants to maybe renegotiate a lease, get more space, buy a building. So folks, because we have a pandemic, I mean, landlords are still landlords. Uh, They do what they do. Uh, They're not the most user-friendly people on the planet, as we've found out over my 36 years. Um, And so Brian and I are going to help you navigate today. You know, when should you renegotiate your lease? What she should be talking to the landlord? Should you be talking to the landlord at all? I mean, uh, you know, what things should you ask for? What's a recapture clause? What what are we're gonna we're gonna open up the doors? Brian was actually my second podcast two years ago, and obviously things have changed a lot. So we're gonna get to Brian in a in a little bit. I want to give you some information. Um, first of all, please uh, check out our partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine. Great clinical content. Um, you know, a second to none advisory board of the who's who in clinical dentistry. Great articles, great continuing education, very reasonably priced. You can get 140 continuing education classes at your fingertips for one low annual fee, uh, one annual price. And um, go to their website at www.decisionsanddentistry.com. If you go to the podcast link, you can actually click on and request a um, 
a complimentary 30-minute consultation with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, of which I am one. And by the way, I am a dental director of the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y. We merged our firm with Ide Bailey about four months ago, and it is the best thing we've ever done. These folks have resources that I could not dream of getting access to. And you've heard some of the folks from Ide Bailey, and you'll hear some of them going forward. Uh, so, and if you are looking for a dental specific CPA anywhere in the United States, we have 24 CPA firms through the Academy of Dental CPAs that represent over 10,000 dentists. We have about 800 of those dentists at I Bailey. Um, I am in Tustin. We work with about 300 of those dentists, uh, and we're certainly here to help. So if you have not met with a CPA or your CPA or your CPA doesn't know what a PPP loan is, give a call, www.adcpa.org. So let me give you my update for December 3rd. Uh, I have been in touch with Megan Mortimer from the uh, uh, American Dental Association. Megan has been uh, my right arm, my lifeline. Uh, if you like who, who wants to be a millionaire, she's the lifeline. Uh, or she's also phone a friend. I think she's all my lifelines, right? And um, she, uh, she and I have been talking. So here's where we're at right now. Um, a bipartisan group of uh, senators and congressmen have introduced a $908 billion package. Remember that the Democrats wanted through the, through the HEROES Act that they passed months and months ago, about a $3.2 trillion stimulus package. Uh, the White House and the uh, Republicans were looking at closer to a trillion dollars, but we realize, folks, that people are hurting in this country. I mean, uh, they may very well shut down completely the city of Los Angeles in the next week. Um, you know, we, we've got these, this pandemic is just unfortunately raging, and we haven't even seen what's happened from people getting together on Thanksgiving. So there are going to be more shutdowns. Although I'm going to give you some economic news here that's going to be very surprising, uh, and there's reasons for it. Um, you know, so so they've got to do something with stimulus. The uh, federal unemployment benefits are going to run out here shortly, um, and you know, it, it, they, they've got to do something to help people. I am going this Saturday morning to a local high school to uh, spend three hours handing out uh, boxes of food to uh, to people that are uh, less fortunate than I, and I try and do that as often as I can. Um, and it, it, it's very sad, but it's real life. So the government needs to do something. So where we're at right now is that, um, you know, Senator McConnell, who is the um, majority leader of the Senate, has come out with his own proposal. This other group has come out with this $908 billion proposal, which, by the way, includes $288 billion for a second round of PPP loans. So folks, stay tuned. We may have some more money coming to you. Um, they're talking about anybody who's had anywhere between a 30 and 50 percent decrease in revenues in their business between Q2 of 2020 and Q2 of 2019, which is going to be many of you because that's what happened because that's what happens when you shut a business down for eight to 12 weeks. You got no revenue. So uh, keep track of that and, and we'll want to we'll be certainly on top of all of that for you. Um, so right now they're debating about whether to make the PPP expenses deductible. Uh, I was on the, the phone with Megan talking to her about, you know, they're 
Congress is trying to, you know, they're, they're batting a ball around between making the uh, idle grant not allowed, um, you know, for forgiveness versus the deductibility versus other things. They've got all kinds of things they're talking about. Um, and this is all on the news and the internet. So um, it's an hour to hour, day by day thing. We think, and Megan shared with me, they've got to do something by Saturday um, because the 11th, the government runs out of money. So there will be something. It may just be a bill to extend uh, the debt ceiling and allow the government to continue, and they'll kick the can down the road until the new administration and the new Congress takes uh, seat in January. We just don't know. It, it is literally an hour-by-hour hour thing. At the moment, the expenses that you're paying through your PPP loan are not, I repeat, not tax-deductible. So when you do your tax planning, in your profit and loss statement, whether it's from your CPA or from QuickBooks or Quicken, uh, you've deducted fifty, seventy-five, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars in expenses. When we've been doing our tax projections, what's been happening is that we've just add those back. Now there is serious bipartisan support, and it is included, we believe, in this nine hundred eight billion dollar bill to reverse that and to make the filing for forgiveness much easier. We're telling people, don't rush to file for forgiveness. The banks are pushing you because they don't want, they want to be done with this. Because remember, the banks don't get paid their fees until the SBA forgives the loan. Um, so basically we don't, you know, they want to get this done. We are in no rush because if they're going to make this a lot easier, they're going to make it a lot easier. I'm just going to quickly give you some economic data, which is really interesting here. Um, let's see. I'm going to give you, I promise I'm going to give you some economic data. Um, the unemployment rate, the, the jobs bills are going to, uh, the job numbers are going to come out, I, I think, either tomorrow or Monday. They are expecting a 6.7% unemployment rate. Uh, and the unemployment claims number did come out today. And um, they have the lowest number of new unemployment claims, which I believe was just about 700,000. Uh, and in addition, uh, ongoing claims, claims that, that people are claiming every week, are at their lowest level in months. And you would say, well, wait a minute, you're hearing stories about restaurants shutting down and all this stuff. Well, what I think is happening is I think that the tech sector and the NASDAQ's gone crazy. Um, the tech sector is hiring and the service sector is hiring because they need people. So that may very well be overshadowing the fact that maybe restaurants and gyms and nail salons are not doing as well. So there's good economic news. Uh, as I look at the stock ticker this morning, December 3rd, the Dow ticked again over 30,000. So, I mean, all the economic indicators are good and dentistry's done really well. And again, Brian and I are gonna talk about this in, in this hour. Um, uh, dentistry's done well. The dentists have come back well. Most of my clients are at or near their profitability within 20% of where they were in 2019. And if you said to me, Art, we're going to have a pandemic. We're going to have 14 million people infected with a virus uh, in this country. We're going to sadly have pushing close to 300,000 fatalities from it. Uh, we're going to have all the shutdowns. And my business is off 10, 15%. Uh, I'll take that every day of the week. So we're very, very glad. And it's because of all of you. All right. Well, folks, with that said, I want to get to my guest, my good friend, uh, Brian Mills. Uh, he's with Rome Commercial Realty. It's his company. 
Uh, I've known Brian for 15 years, and Brian is probably the most knowledgeable person that I know when it comes to dealing with landlords, helping dentists get leases, <laughs> renegotiate leases, negotiate new leases, purchase buildings. And, and we're going to get into all of that today. So, Mr. Brian Mills, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Thank you, Art. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. And you're 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 not too far from me. I'm in Laguna Beach, and you're in uh, I think San Juan. I am San Juan yeah. Capistrano, and um, the hills of San Juan Capistrano. And and, and I hear that the um, the the children uh, units in your house have been uh, locked up in a freezer. <laughs> um, the same temperature as the Pfizer vaccine uh, while we do this podcast? Is I don't know where they're at, and I don't care right now. <laughs> <laughs> so your wife gets a medal. That's how it works, right? All she right. definitely deserves a medal. Well, very, very good. So, hey, Brian, why don't you just tell everybody about yourself, a little bit about your journey, your history, how you came to your company, and all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing, I I, I love that you said landlords are not very user-friendly. <laughs> no, actually, the word that I use is landlords are evil human beings, but I'm trying to <laughs> Yeah, we could talk about that. But, yeah, um, we yeah. will talk about that. Um, yeah, I've been in the dental industry for, God, almost 20 years now. It's uh, I always think of myself as the young kid in the room, and and my clients are all these old doctors, and then I walk in, and they're all 10 years younger than me uh, these days. It always shocks me. Well, you're like the cool son I never had. <laughs> you got a cool... You got two cool sons, but I do have, two um, cool yeah. So yeah. yeah, I've been in the dental industry specifically, uh, for got, like I said, pushing 20 years. I am the owner broker of Rome commercial realty. We are a, a, a California based firm. We cover all the way up and down, uh, from Northern California, all the way down to San Diego. Uh, we have a rocking team. Um, there's two things that we do extremely well is number one. And I think you, you talked about it a little bit is we are a pure or true tenant buyer firm, which means we don't represent landlords whatsoever. A lot of people kind of say that on paper, but unfortunately behind the scenes, that's not necessarily true. With with Rome, we only represent tenants and buyers. And number two, we specifically work with healthcare clients. 90% of our clients are dentists. So if you have to pick a vertical, um, dentistry is really where we're, we're the strongest in. So tenant and buyer representation and really only dentists. So our fiduciary, which is a fancy word for legal, our fiduciary legal responsibility, similar to, similar to an attorney or, or your, your wealth advisor or your CPA, our, our legal responsibility starts and stops with our clients who happen to be dentists. Our job is really to save you as much money. And, and again, I, I don't, you know, I bring the best people onto this podcast. I don't have to advertise what Brian does. I've seen Brian save my clients tens, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars, which we're going to talk about how you can do that in negotiating a lease today. So let, let's get started talking about uh, kind of how all this is, is affected. So uh, you might have heard we have this little pandemic thing going on. Um, it's been going on now for almost <coughs> nine months. How has that affected the medical dental, let's say more dental, obviously here, uh, commercial real estate market? Well, that's a great question. It's really market specific. So if, let's focus on California um, specifically. So fortunately or unfortunately, most of our landlords are institutional, meaning they are very large organizations. Oftentimes they're publicly traded REITs or the likes of Irvine Company. I mean, these are some major heavyweight players out here. 
East Coast, West Coast, that is really kind of big boy real estate and negotiations out here. You're not dealing with a Midwest, you know, mom and pop real estate um, uh, landlord or somebody who owns one small retail center, one small medical office building. So here, solvency is not the biggest issue with with our, our landlords. Now, are there some vacancies coming up in retail spaces? Absolutely. Unfortunately, a, a lot of individual restaurants and service-based um, businesses are, are going out. It's really sad to see. You know, hopefully those won't be replaced by huge corporate organizations, but, you know, we won't see for probably a year. But in terms of medical, that's part of the reason why I'm in this niche is because it's a very safe niche to be in. Um, you know, even in this downturn, some some doctors are doing even better than they did before. They are. So it hasn't. It, it, it yes, it has hurt. Um, definitely some medical practices, some dental practices for sure. But in terms of the state of real estate specifically, it's not like it has opened up this huge vacuum and all of a sudden, you know, you you can cut your lease in half or you know do these crazy deals that you couldn't do a year ago. I always say, you know what? If I did a deal for you as one of my clients a year ago, and now in the thick of COVID, if all of a sudden we cut that deal in half, I didn't do my job appropriately 12 months ago. So whether it's an up up economy or down economy, or we've got something crazy like COVID going on, you should always be maxing out your opportunities financially with your real estate anyway. And the market doesn't swing that much, even in this crazy time, to where the deal should be that far apart. We do have some some really much needed leverage right now, but um, you know the real estate market hasn't changed that much in terms of California specifically. Now, if you go to Kansas or Oklahoma, it could be a totally different story. If you have a landlord that has one single you know retail location or medical office building, uh, the, the the deal could be significantly different there. It, it just depends on the landlord, and again. Uh, we're going to talk about landlords here in a second, your, your favorite topic, as is mine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've got, like you mentioned, Irvine <laughs> Company, you've got Blackstone Group, you've got all these big, big players who couldn't care less if uh, if a meteor was headed for their building, they're still going to act the same way. So are landlords, Brian, acting any differently? And, and maybe, maybe take it into two groups, the big box landlords, the people that are worth more money than God that this pandemic maybe isn't affecting as much because they've got a war chest and with a stupid yeah. amount of money versus the, you know, maybe a, maybe a dentist who owns a building and this is one of their real estate investments and they're using for retirement and they don't know as much and maybe they're a little more user friendly. Talk about the different types of landlords and how are they acting differently than they were before a pandemic? Yeah. Well, I think a good example of what's going on in the market right now in California, again, specifically, is uh, uh, several landlords uh, actually just pulled back all their vacancies off the market, which was um, a little bit shocking to some people, meaning there was a vacancy off the market, pulled it off the market and said, you know what, we we don't, again, solvency is not our biggest issue, speaking, speaking for the landlord. And they said, we don't need to succumb to um, the market that's in flux right now. So we're going to take this 3000 square foot space and we're just going to put it in our back pocket. We're going to pull it off the market. We're going to let it sit vacant. And when the time is right, we'll come back to it. That's how, you know, you're dealing with an organization who has some really big cash reserves is when they take their product off the market and says, Hey, listen, we know we've got this 
wedding cake sitting on the shelf, but the time is not right to sell it. We're going to pull it back. And when the market is right, we'll bring the product back back to the market. That's it. That's a real indicator of who you're dealing with. That that doesn't make it bad. That's just somebody who as is 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 very solvent and knows their business and knows when the, the, the time is right to strike and when the time is right to pull back from the market. So they're willing to forego rents for maybe a year or two versus getting back into the market when they can get a better long-term deal. Is that basically what the deal is? Yeah. Rather, so, you know, we, we, we don't want to get too far off in the weeds, but, you know, most of these um, uh, portfolios are valued on investment numbers. It's called capitalization rates if you want to get technical. And so landlords, rather than strike a below market deal, will wait for the right deal, whether it takes a year, two years, three years. One thing they know is their spreadsheet math very, very well. So, you know, landlords will pull back properties or they'll sit on properties vacant for a number of years until they get that right deal rather than devalue their entire property. Because one one bad deal in a huge retail or medical building can devalue the entire um, a medical office building or retail center by half a million dollars just based on one little deal. So, Brian, I want to cover three major areas today. I want to cover uh, lease renewals. I want to cover someone who's going out for a brand new lease. They haven't leased a particular space before. And then I want to talk about buying real estate. So let's start off with lease renewals. So how long before someone's renewal is ready, is coming up, should they be thinking about you know, talking about re, you know, re-upping on their lease and, and walk through the process. I mean, um, you know, how, how should they do it? Do they call the landlord and say, Hey, Hey Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm up in six months. I'm up in nine months. What's the process? Yeah. So, uh, this is, this is a great kind of segue back to your other question, which I, um, uh, didn't answer, um, completely, which is, you know, how are landlords behaving in the market? Well, a lot of landlords are using this opportunity to get really greedy right now, unfortunately, because of you know, some of the missteps by by some of the tenants right now. So um, you got to be careful uh, with your posture and your leverage right now. If you think that it's a wide open market and that landlords are desperate and you approach them incorrectly, they're going to get really greedy and you're going to find yourself in a, in a very cumbersome situation. So that's specifically when it comes to lease renewal, which was your question now. So when it comes to lease renewals, 12 months is really kind of the, the, the golden time period. You hear people say 18 months, 24 months. I want to start as, as you know, soon as possible because the build out's going to take me forever. Um, there's a real tack to doing this. And this timeline is really, really important uh, a lot of people, e- even, you know, there's there's some brokers and some agents out there who say, well, you got to start two years in advance. You can definitely start looking in the process and engaging with your client, you know, 18 months to two years in advance. But the last thing you want to do is engage with your landlord 18 months or two years, because guess what you've just done? You've given them this long runway to go to the market and say, okay, thanks for the opportunity. Now I'm going to put this space on the market and see what I can get to box you out. So if you tell the landlord, Hey, I'm, you're going to start renegotiating, renegotiating this lease renewal a year and a half to two years in advance of when it's up, the landlord's going to use all that time to see if they can get a tenant to pay more money than you're paying and force you out. 
So, Brian, th- this has been an issue that's come up with me, not only in the CPA practice, but in our dental practice brokerages. I'll get I'll get someone who who new client and they say, oh, I got to renegotiate my lease. Well, how much time you have? Well, I have 30 days left. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, let's talk about kind of the timing on leases and, and maybe options on leases, because yeah. if, a, if a dentist has, you know, six months left on their lease, but they have a five year option. They're in a little better shape than if they only have six months, because if they only have six months, the landlord's got all the leverage pretty much, right? So you always need to make sure that you have renewal options, no matter what. Every time you do a new lease or you do a lease renewal and you use an option, you need to back that up with at least one more replacement option because renewal options are always for the the benefit of the tenant, not for the landlord. So the renewal option is what gives you a legal right to stay. It doesn't give you, um, uh, it doesn't name the price typically in your lease. Sometimes it does, but usually it's very ambiguous terminology, which is not necessarily the, a, a bad thing, but you need to have a renewal option. Without a renewal option, you have no legal right to stay or, or negotiate or have that conversation whatsoever. So once your options are done, the landlord can, can boot you out within 90 days. Is that a realistic time frame in California? No, but um, again, it doesn't yeah. give you a legal right to stay and yeah. it doesn't give you anything to sell. So if you're getting to the sort of the season of your career where you're thinking about selling your practice, if you don't have any options, you don't have a practice to sell, unfortunately. So 12 months is really the magic number. Yeah. And that's where, yes, I'm a real estate broker, but I would say my 20 years in the dental industry is what's even more valuable. Um, you have to understand timeline uh, periods in terms of construction. If you should need to move, you have to understand uh, build out costs, um, all those things that go into it. Because you know, staying in a place just because it's comfortable doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. There, there are often times where it's it's of extreme value to look at moving your practice. Um, but if you want to get the most bang for your buck in terms of a renewal, you do not approach your landlord any sooner than 12 months. I would typically say we start the conversation with the client at 12 months, but we probably don't reach out to the landlord until, you know, maybe more like nine months, seven months, sometimes even six months, because we want to get as close to that period as possible so that we can keep the landlord sort of guessing and worrying about what we're doing. But we want to do all our due diligence in the background. Right, right. So so let again, I, I would encourage every single one of you listening on this podcast to use an agent because you're going to get more value with your landlord. But let's assume that, that we have a lot of doctors who will call me up. Here's the conversation, Brian, and I'm sure you've never heard this, right? Oh, yeah, I, I've been 10 here, 20 years, and I know Joe, he owns a building, he's a really good guy, and you know, he'll take care of me. And Because Dennis, God bless all of you, you are the most trusting human ever met, which is why I've spent my career in this profession sir, working for you, is, is you are. They're just trusting, trusting people. And so let's assume that a dentist is going to go in within the 12 months. Um, what and, and maybe maybe we kind of piggyback this and say, okay, if it were you going in representing that dentist, what do you go in and ask the? What, what are you looking for on a lease renewal? Joe's been a Dr. Smith is Dr. Wiederman has been a tenant here for 10, 15 years, and then they hear this podcast. Oh well, maybe Brian can help. I'm going to bring Brian in. Um, you know, first of all, how does the landlord feel if the tenant's been there for a long time and now there's a Brian involved? 
Um, and and second of all, what are you asking for? What what are you what what's your what are you looking for? What are what should our doctors if they're doing this on their own be looking for? Yeah, dentists are really easy prey, and I say that with all due respect because, like you just said, <laughs> dentists are typically really nurturing people. They get into dentistry uh, in large part because they want to help people. That doesn't play really well when it comes comes time to a, to a financial negotiation with a very sophisticated landlord and their team of brokers and attorneys, etc. I hear this story all the time. And this is this is kind of the, I guess, best and worst of it is, you know, the dentist thinks that, you know, hey, Joe is my friend. Um, and I'm sure he's given me a good deal. And then when I show them actually what the market analysis or maybe a deal that I've done in their building um, on the floor up or right next to them, now it's sort of like, Oh gosh, my friend owns the bar and he's been charging me $12 for a Coors Light all these years. And I just didn't know any better. So those are some of the situations where doctors really get in trouble is they over trust without verifying any of this information. So part of my job um, as your representative is to, to show you what the true market is, not what the advertised market looks like, but where the true deals are being had. And we do hundreds of deals in the, in the market every single year. So it all starts with education to show you, okay, here's what you're paying. Let me show you how much over market you are and where this where this lease really should be. Um, so yeah, those are things you have to be be careful of. When I when I get involved, um, you know, do the do the landlords like it? No, because they know that they're dealing with a professional and they they typically know me already and and what I do often, but they would rather that a client or or a tenant be un represented because they're at an extreme disadvantage. They know that inherently they really have no idea where the market is. And so the landlord can sort of name the price and say, hey, yeah, trust me, that's a, that's a good deal. That's a great rate. When the delta between what they're offering and what we negotiate oftentimes is two, three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars in difference. These are not made up numbers. It's not like we're trying to save a nickel on a box of gloves here. We're trying to have a windfall result for for our clients that allows them to go out and upgrade their practice or buy new technology or just save that overhead and, and, and put it in the bank or invest it with their, their um, CPA and their, their wealth manager. Now, now, Brian, the other thing that, that people need to know about what you do is that um, your services as a general rule, unless I, unless things have changed, <laughs> you're generally getting paid by the landlord, right? Isn't that how that works? That's right. And people would say, uh, I, I see the wheels sort of turning when I when I meet with my clients. And I always tell them, hey, if you're not asking me this, or you're not thinking this, you should be thinking it or asking it. So let, let me approach the subject for you. If I'm getting paid by the landlord, isn't that a huge conflict of interest? Absolutely, it could be. Um, but first of all, this relationship has to start with trust, right? How the heck do I know I need a crown on number 19 if I'm paying you for those services? Well, right. I have to trust that you're doing what's in my best interest. You're going to find that anybody that you work with in, in this arena sh is, should be um, referred to you by more than one person, right? A colleague, your CPA, your attorney, your, your dealer rep, Patterson or Shine, a consultant, etc. And I don't want to be a bragger, but um, if I'm not referred to you by at least two people, then, then I may not be the right person for you. But anybody who's doing any type of negotiation on your behalf, whether it's your attorney or myself, 
they should be able to clearly and succinctly tell you how they're going to use leverage and posture to affect change in any situation, right? <laughs> There's some companies out there um, that that do, you know, uh, I would never badmouth anybody in the industry, but there's lots of companies out there who do lease negotiations and charge the doctor for it. Well, you have to ask yourself or maybe specifically ask them, how are you going to affect any change in the situation, which would be different than what I could as the doctor, right? Most great attorneys will tell you, you know, they're focused on the legal aspects of a negotiation, they're not in uh, the financial world. They wouldn't know a good lease rate from a bad lease rate or a tenant improvement allowance from from a bad tenant improvement allowance or how much free rent or anything else. They're, if they're a successful attorney, they're focused on doing what they're hired to do, which is negotiate the legalities. Um, when it comes time to, to negotiating the financials of a lease, my posture, my leverage comes from being a real estate broker and number two, asking for a commission. I'm going to approach the landlord not with, hey, you know, my tenant's a nice doctor and we've been paying our bills on time and we really think the lease rate is a little too high. Would you do us a solid and knock it down by 25 cents? Guess what that's going to get you? A cup of coffee and probably your lease rate's going to go up. So these are sophisticated negotiations. When I approach a landlord, whether you're scared about this or not, I'm going to tell the landlord I've been hired to move this client. Um, and we have a backup option. And this is what our terms look like. If we can't agree to these terms, we are ready, willing, and able to move. Is that often uh, um, a huge bluff? Yeah, definitely could be. But guess what? Why are the, the, the best poker players in the world the best poker players in the world? It's not because they get all the good cards all the time. It's because they know how to use posture and leverage. And if I approach the landlord and don't ask for a standard real estate fee, the landlord's going to say, well, why the heck would you do this deal pro bono if you really had a backup option? That doesn't seem like reality to me. And, and, and Brian, what's interesting is, and I teach this to clients and in my, in my lectures and the podcast and the webinars, is what should I offer? What should I do? Or what should I ask? Or what should I try and get? And it comes down to this. In any negotiation, now we're talking either, we could be talking a lease. We could be talking about you negotiating with one of your children as to whether they're going to eat their vegetables. What's your <laughs> leverage? Your leverage is they're not getting any Christmas presents, right? That's your leverage, right? right? Yep. Okay. So whatever, well, you're not going to do that. But anyway, the, 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 the leverage in this negotiation controls. If this is the only medical dental building in your town and you have no other choice and that landlord knows it, your leverage is less. But if there That's are right. lots of other buildings and there's vacancies and Brian comes in and says, by the way, Dr. Wiederman, uh, there's three medical buildings within a two mile radius that are just as good, if not better than this building, who will give you a better TI allowance, who will give you a lesser rent, who will give you more of this and that and the other thing. Right. Isn't it going to come down to, to, to what leverage the doctor has, which is why you don't want to wait till 30 days before your lease runs out? Yeah. And you never want to give up your I, I keep saying this word posture. Posture is really the perceived reality of a threat. Right. If the landlord doesn't think that uh, this is going to affect their pocketbook, then they're not going to change anything. You're going to continue to get what you've always got and and maybe worse. So you you've summarized it really, really well. You have to come from a position of strength in any negotiation. And oh, I'm probably going to get blasted on this one. But no matter what you think of our our current administration, one thing that that 
you know, Donald Trump has, has said that I will agree with is your biggest leverage is the ability to walk away from a deal. Yep. Okay? And, and, We're not talking about politics right now. We're just talking about deal making. If the landlord thinks you're able and willing to walk away from a deal, that's how you establish true leverage in any negotiation. That doesn't mean you're going to. And I know that scares a lot of my clients, but that's why they need to continue to, to, to practice medicine and dentistry and let a professional negotiator do these things because there's a very, very specific tact and strategy that you use. And if you don't know how to use it, you're going to find yourself on the wrong end of that negotiation. And landlords, surprisingly, don't typically know the medical market, whether they are holders of tons of medical office buildings or retail buildings. They have no idea that um, there may not be a built out dental space or something else uh, down the road, but you cannot give up that leverage and that posture of that perceived threat. You always have to exude with confidence to the landlord that we are ready, willing, and able to move. And we have a backup plan ready to go should we not come to terms here. Brian, what I want to do now is I want you to give out your contact information. And again, folks, I want to remind you, I, I, I don't get anything from Brian. I don't get anything from any of the people that come on to this podcast other than the satisfaction that I know that they're giving my listeners really good, timely, and important information. If your lease is coming up, okay? I mean, if you just signed on to a brand new 10-year lease, uh, I don't know how much Brian can help you, but if you get a, or maybe you can, I don't know, we'll get to that in a second. But if, if, you're, if your lease is coming up in the next one, two, three years, if you're looking for a lease space, if you're looking to buy a property, you want to own real estate, which I think is the cornerstone of a dentist retirement plan, um, you know, j- just give Brian a call and just to say, this is my situation. Brian, I'm sure you'll have a complimentary consultation uh, with a with a doctor. And I mean, your fees don't cost them anything anyway. And, and, and you'll take a look at what their lease looks like. And it's like me, I can look at a tax return and in about 30 seconds, I can tell you, well, we can fix this and this and this and this. You can probably look at a lease, maybe not as much from a legal standpoint, but you can look at a lease and say, hey, this thing looks pretty bad and this is what we should be doing, right? Absolutely. And I'm always here as a, as a free advocate. I believe that um, everyone in, in this network should be giving back without any expectation of return. So I'm always here to to guide clients, um, to give evaluations, to give input. So never hesitate to reach out to me. I'm like I said, I'm always here to help you, but at any stage or every stage of your career, there's a specific way that you should be handling these negotiations. Um, it's really sad when I see my clients who are at that season where they're ready to sell their practice and they've made a huge misstep. So waiting till you have a year left on your lease to sell your practice is not the appropriate thing to do. There's a specific strategy to do there. Buying a practice and assuming what the seller is paying in terms of a lease is not the appropriate action step to take there. There's definite things that you should do to set yourself up for success. Continuing to lease in a bad situation that doesn't match your brand of dentistry is not the appropriate action step to make. One quick story. I had a a, a, just an amazing client um, just in the last couple months who said, hey, Brian, I need you to help me with my lease in Irvine against the Irvine company. No problem. The Irvine company doesn't scare me. Um, I'm happy to help you. But, you know, in conversation, I said, you know what, Doc, you've told me kind of what you're looking to do. And I see some really cool, unique equipment around here. Tell me more about your vision. Come to find out, um, he had this grand vision um, that just got super excited. um, And he was at the latter stage of his career. And so I ended up finding him a dream space and got the landlord to pay for the entire thing. 
while decreasing the rent, while providing free rent. And this is a premier class A building like you've never seen before with with views that'll knock your socks off. We got the landlord to pay for the entire thing that'll that'll be on the cover of a magazine. And he just wasn't aware of that. So he had no idea that he could probably move for free. Once he found that out and he saw the space, he said, this is a no brainer for me. My production's going to go up. I can practice the next 10 years of my career in my dream space. This is really easy. I just had no idea. So sometimes my biggest competitor is not another real estate agent out there um, you know, that does medical stuff or anybody else. It's typically the doctors themselves just not knowing any better. You can go out and buy your own building for 100% financing if you've got an existing practice. So yeah, if you just signed a 10-year deal, Call me in year six or seven, and I can show you how to buy a building and amortize the remaining lease rate into your real estate purchase. It's not going to cost you $70,000. It may cost you an extra $200 a month in your payment. Um, So it's not going to greatly affect your cash flow. So anyway, I digress. I could talk forever and ever. I know you can. That's why you and I are friends. (laughs) We're just at the the tip of the iceberg here. my 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 uh, contact information is you can just email me directly, Brian B R I A N at Rome R O A M commercialrealty.com. Again, that's Brian B R I A N at Rome R O A M commercialrealty.com. Our our website is RomeCommercialRealty.com. Um, you can always reach us through there. Um, there's a submission form on there. Again, we have a, a dynamic team that covers all of California, and we would love to be of service to anybody that needs help. And we'll, we'll put your contact information in the show notes for when this all goes out. All right, Brian, let, let's talk about the, the the doctor that wants to go lease their first space, or they're going to lease a new space. Let's get into the weeds just a little bit, and then we'll touch on real estate, and we'll call it a podcast. Um, let, let's talk about you know what are some of the specifics that you are asking for talk about tenant improvements and and rent and free rent what are some of the things that you as an agent are going to go in where you're going to really get some bang for your buck yeah so i always sort of say in jest but it's true my job is to get the good stuff up and the bad stuff down so i want to get you as much tenant improvement allowance or ti's as people say for short that, that's that's money that we negotiate against the landlord to help you build out a space. Again, sometimes we can get the entire thing paid for, but ideally we don't want to amortize that into the lease rate. There are times when there's a really low lease rate that that may be appropriate, especially for a startup. But ideally we're lowering the lease rate while at the same time getting the tenant improvement allowance way up um, and getting the free rent way up. So um, deals that I was doing even before COVID um, you know, were sometimes 130, 40, 50. The last one that I just mentioned was $190 a square foot in tenant improvement allowance. That is an earth shattering record. And it had really nothing to do with COVID. It had to do with posture and leverage and, and, and presenting the, the client in the best light to the landlord and justifying that. You have to know the landlord's business too, even though you're not representing them. If you don't know what the landlord's operating costs are and, and when they're going to lose money and when they're going to, um, turn the corner and uh, make money on a deal. You're just guessing. You're pulling at straws here. You have to know the business of real estate in order to know if what you're presenting even makes sense. I had a client the other day who presented something before me, and the landlord says, "What the heck is this? I won't even respond to this, nor will I even engage with this client anymore." And, and the doctor was not a bad person. They just had no idea. They were, you know, they were looking at a new. Uh, Mercedes SUV, so to speak, and offering $10,000. And 
the dealership <laughs> was saying, what, what the heck is this? So you have to come from, um, you know, a, a frame of reference. So you know what you're talking about and you know what's appropriate. So what, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen dentists who've negotiated their own leases that, that they've made? Oh gosh, there is a myriad of things. Is we'll, not we'll have about an hour on this podcast, so come on. So <laughs> uh, either not being being too aggressive or not aggressive enough, and that just comes from not knowing the market, right? You you have no frame of reference to even start with. So either just taking the landlord at face value. You know, every year when I'm at speaking at the CDA or somewhere else, I'll I'll have a a doctor come up to me and say, "Oh, Brian, I already got a great deal on on my lease, and here's what I got." You know, I got four months worth of free rent. I'm like, okay, and and how about beyond that? Well, that that's it. Well, the build out's going to take six months, so you already just got shortchanged by two months. Did you get any tenant improvement allowance? Well, no. You know, uh, what's tenant improvement allowance? Um, so, not having a frame of reference really puts you in danger. I, although I'm not an attorney, and in California, as a broker, I cannot practice um, law or give legal advice. I can at least give you some frame of reference in terms of assignment language and tell you if what's presented by a landlord is going to be a deal breaker or not. So I have doctors who sign with with assignment language that says they have to guarantee their lease in perpetuity, meaning once they sell the practice, they have to stay on and guarantee that. And you may think that's really far-fetched. It's not. I have doctors every day when I look at their lease who are selling their practice. And I said, if we were to take this right now, you have to guarantee this lease forever. Um, regardless of if you sell the practice or not. So it's really being uneducated and having an agent doesn't mean that you're protected. You need to make sure that you're working with a firm that knows dentistry, who has a history in the marketplace and is expert in negotiations. Well, and, and you got to have a team because it, we, we need not only Brian to be involved, but we need a dental attorney. Yes. And, and you and I, you and I are, you know, we know all the players, we know everybody, we know, you know, and most Virtually all the dental attorneys that that hold themselves out are very very good at what they do, yep. um, and 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 I know them all and you know them all and and you know we see them all at the event. Well, we haven't seen anybody at events in a while, but we used. I to wouldn't see even them. do a deal without a dental attorney. I tell clients yep. regularly: if you're not willing to protect yourself and spend a few thousand dollars on a dental attorney for something that could cost you a million dollars. I cannot associate with with this deal. It's it puts you in in too much jeopardy to do this uh, on your own. My, my my classic story is about a client who 20, 20 to twenty five years ago, basically got a space, um, killer space, and I said, "Did you have an attorney look at it?" No, the attorney wanted to charge me some money, and the landlord said it was really good. Well, <laughs> this, this is this is a landlord that my attorney that I wanted, uh, that, that actually, you know, ended up helping him a little bit at the back end when he sold his practice, um, uses this as a case study. I ended up having to deliver a, um, I think it was a $100,000 check to the landlord so that we could transfer the lease to the seller. And I went to the landlord after all of this and I looked him in the eye and said, you're evil. And he just smiled at me. <laughs> and took my check. So my, my check, my client said so he had to give up a hundred thousand dollars of his one point one million dollar sales price to get out of his lease so he could sell his practice. Well, you gotta imagine, you know, we're sort of vilifying landlords and I and I'll be the first often to do that. You know, there's some things that landlords do that are just egregious and above and beyond, and even some of the big ones, 
here lately just proactively came out and said, hey, we're not going to be of any help. Pay us uh, just for no reason. I mean, the question wasn't asked. They just came out and said that. And these are huge, major landlords. I was like, I was pretty shocked even being in this business for so long. But, you know, landlords are in this to make money. You know, they're not in it because, you know, they they want to see their name on a retail center or anything. They're in it pure. This is their business and they're here to make money. So you, you, you popped me there. I had one just late last year where it was, it's actually a, a, a publicly traded landlord company. Um, and they're usually pretty good. Um, but before I was involved, you know, the, the buyer and the buyer's attorney called me and they said, there's no options here. And the assignment language is really pretty bad. And so the landlord said, yeah, sure. We'll give you an assignment and some options, but for $50,000, we'll do that. And just because we can, you, you, you backed yourself into a corner. And so this is what we can do. Thankfully, I was able to negotiate around that. Um, just be, because of, you know, my, my position in the marketplace, but, um, you can't always count on that on somebody willing to do you a favor like that. And so if you make a misstep, you can find yourself either a without the ability to sell your practice, which is real or paying a big lump of sum 50 to a hundred thousand dollars just for the right to sell your practice. I, I do one, and I did. I, I was remiss in mentioning this. We are having a, uh, we're we're putting together a series of about twenty webinars next year for the six largest local large local dental societies here in Southern California. Um, if you want to be a a part of that, we're going to be talking some about real estate. I'm going to have Brian involved in one of them, one or two of them. Um, and send me an email a weederman at idbelly.com. Uh, this, uh, you know, December the 9th, uh, which is when this podcast is going to come out. Uh, if you, if you hear it and you want to come, just send me, send us an email. We'll get you on it. Uh, but we're going to have in February, uh, one of the dental attorneys here in Southern California, I think it's in January actually is going to talk about the legal <coughs> aspects of leases. So we've got information coming up, Brian, let's spend the rest of our time. What about a doctor who wants to buy a building or buy an office condo or suite? Uh, Talk about the process. What should they be looking for? You know, give us some advice on that. You want to buy your own real estate in California? What are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> are you insane? <laughs> Again, this is where education is 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 vital. Um, there are some areas where you just cannot buy real estate. That's a simple fact, and you can stomp and kick and scream, but you have to be educated that there are some areas where you will never with a capital N, be able to buy your own real estate. Um, but on the flip side of that, there are there are lots of areas that shock most of my clients where you can buy. Uh, and I would say the thing that shocks them the most is, again, just like I'm a dental-specific real estate broker, Art, Art is a dental-specific CPA, guru, legend of the industry, mentor to many. Um, wait, wait, don't, why, why are you stopping? Keep going. <laughs> Legend in his own mind. There are, there are several lenders who are niche specific who only do real estate for dentists. So this is what again shocks a lot of my clients and where they become their 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 worst advocate or enemy or my biggest competitor is if you have an existing practice, let's say you have a practice and you have collections of of a million dollars, right? Well, there are some phenomenal dental specific lenders who will go out there and do projection-based lending and allow you to do uh, two and a half times what you're doing in production uh, to buy a building, do construction, buy all new equipment, and put it all on one project loan at drum roll, hundred percent financing. That means literally no money out of pocket whatsoever. Yep. I have lots of clients who are very well qualified, but 
guess what? On a $3 million project, they don't want to put 20% down. They may be able to, but if you don't have to, why would you? Now, if you can and you have the means and you're okay and you're secure and you have some more liquid uh, backup behind that, absolutely. Go put 20% down. Basically, what you're doing is you're buying down points, but there's an, a, a, a really um, unique way to buy real estate as a dentist that everyone should explore. You should at least have that conversation with me or someone else and say, hey, what's the likelihood of me buying real estate in, you know, uh, San Carlos or Irvine or Temecula? Um, they're, they're, the, the opportunities may shock you, but if there's no opportunity, I'm going to tell you, this is a master plan community and there's not a freestanding old blockbuster here that you can buy. The city or the developer owns every single thing here and they're not going to let one of these old pad buildings go. It's just not a reality. So let's put you in the best uh, possible scenario with your lease rate. Uh, so again, it starts with education and knowing what the ability and the availability is. I mean, it, it may be, Brian, that you say, listen, Doc, let's do this. Sign a five-year lease, get some options, but let's start looking for some real estate down the road and maybe we can get out. Maybe you buy out some of this. I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of options. But and, and and again, you know, Brian, you 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 and I are in Southern California, where real estate is, uh, I would say, pricey is probably a a, a good word. Um, you know, I mean, if if you want to buy a practice, uh, if you want to buy a, a, a real estate in Santa Monica, West LA, Newport <laughs> Beach. Uh, you know, forget it. I mean, just don't, don't even think about it. Yeah, but don't let that price tag scare you too. You know, I sometimes I hit people with these big price tags. Um, yeah. Listen, here's here's what's available and it's a really good opportunity. But, you know, the total project looks like two and a half million dollars and people will rear back and they'll say, oh God, two and a half million dollars. There's no way I can afford that. Well, this is where I play, you know, amateur CPA. And I say, don't listen to me. Take this spreadsheet and give it to Art and his team. Let him yeah. verify this. They'll usually say, hey, yeah, that's some... That's some pretty conservative back of the napkin math here. We can do actually way better than that. But when you come, when it comes time to buying real estate, once you look at just the basic depreciation of the building and the depreciation of the structure, and Art is really good about talking about cost segregation studies oh, yeah. and classifying all of this build out as now equipment and doing an accelerated depreciation schedule, the the numbers will shock you once you see a two and a half million dollar project doesn't look like $20,000 a month. It Once you take in conservative tax depreciation numbers and principal pay down and all this other really conservative um, accounting math, now it looks like probably half of that. And if you have a tenant next door occupying you know, 30, 40% and, and paying part of that mortgage, sometimes you can get in and most often, once you look at the depreciation and any passive income from a tenant, should there be that opportunity, you're paying far less than you would be paying in a lease. And it's not about appreciation. We're not, this is not like flipping a house. We're not looking for some four, five, six, seven percent return every year. We're looking at rent replacement. What does that look like at the end of a 20, 25 year career? What have you lost in rent that you've paid to a landlord and flushed down the toilet every month versus what do you what do you have in equity in owning your own building? If those two numbers are even close and you look at what the end of your career looks like, now you sold your practice for $1.2 million and you're sitting on a piece of property that's worth $3 million. And that's even that's better, that's now that's you sell the practice income. and you keep the real estate and you generate passive yep. income for the exactly. rest of your life and you and you pass that on to your heirs should you choose. 
and and again, we have Brian. We have listeners all over the United States, and in I believe we're in sixty-five or seventy countries that people have been listening to us. And uh, so, obviously, buying a piece of real estate in the heartland of, can- as you meant, Kansas, Oklahoma, Iowa. I mean, and and I'm not. I just picked those three states off the top of my head. Um, is going to be less expensive than buying a piece of property in Newport Beach. That's a fact. Yeah. But it's it's much easier to do it because my dentists who actually don't live in metropolitan areas actually make more money. And the reason they make more money than those who live in metropolitan areas is that the wages are low, the costs are lower, and the fees for dentistry are not that much lower. Yeah. So they make they make more money. So so Brian, we are at about the time that we need to call it a podcast. Uh you have done as usual a stellar fantastic job. The children are still in the freezer, right? <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up. Don't cut this thing off yet. I'm sorry, man. We no, we'll, we'll do this again. No, you, you, Brian is is one of my go-to people. Not my. He is my go-to guy when it comes to 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 leases, and and we encourage all of our clients to to use a professional. Um, so, any final words of uh, advice, encouragement, warning that we can give our listeners about uh, about this world that you live in? Reach out and touch someone. What what was that old AT and T commercial? <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, right. that's what I would. That's I what I would leave with is you have a wonderful network of people. Reach out and make contact. You know, I know that sometimes we get busy or you get intimidated. You don't want to have those conversations, but the dumbest question um, is the one that you never ask. So. There is a specific answer and a strategy for every point of your career. Don't put your practice on the market without talking to me about where you're at in terms of, of your lease. Um, it's I'm going to probably tell you something that's the complete opposite of what you think you should do based on tons and tons of experience. If you want to buy a practice, reach out and talk to me in, in, in the, the beginning. I'm not a practice broker. I'm not looking to get involved. That's, you know, the yeah. forensic um, accounting, that's arts world and the world of practice brokers and attorneys. I'm just helping to guide you in terms of the real estate so that you don't make a misstep. Um, again, buying buildings. I, I'm in escrow with a, a startup, believe it or not, on a $2 million building. And who would have ever thought a startup would buy a $2 million building right out of the gate? But it was an opportunity that once we looked at <clears throat> the numbers, um, it made total sense because I said, here's what you're going to be paying in a lease space with a, a build out and everything else. And here's what buying looks like. And here's how we get some of your down payment back. So um, don't make a, a a, a misstep, reach out, talk to somebody, talk to art, talk to your attorney, talk to myself, talk to your consultant before you do anything. These people, um, this network is here to guide you. Um, we're not looking to charge you. We just want to make sure that the world of private practice dentistry stays really, really strong. And the only way to do that is to make sure that the doctors who are practicing today do better than they did last year, and that the, the the young doctors coming out of school are invigorated and excited to go open a private practice and not just be a great employee for a large dental service organization. So, so first of all, when you were talking about uh, all those wonderful things you were telling me about guru and this, I was trying to remember the the, the Seinfeld, uh, what Jerry Seinfeld was. He was the master of his own domain. I guess that's what I am. <laughs> I trying to remember, I couldn't remember that. But um, and then you said to me when we before we went on uh, to record this podcast. Oh, Art, we can keep this to 30 minutes. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> way too much to talk about. One more t- one more time, Mr. Brian Mills, give out your contact information to our listeners and folks. Again, it doesn't cost anything. Pick up the phone. You get a lease coming up. You got, you're got you looking at leasing a new space. You're looking at moving and relocating. You, you have 
three or four operatories and your practice is doing really well and you want a six to eight operatory office, um, you know, Brian can just walk you through, save, I mean, he has saved my clients hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, period, end of discussion. And and it's just it's just a great thing. So give out your information, Brian. Yes, thank you. Are we are two Yentas on here? We could probably talk. Uh, <laughs> for did you know days. my mother? <laughs> did you actually know my mother? <laughs> Wonderful my mother woman. was a Yenta. <laughs> um, so yeah, my uh, our our website is RomeCommercialRealty.com. Again, Rome R O A M RomeCommercialRealty.com. You can email me directly at Brian B R I A N at RomeCommercialRealty.com or even info at RomeCommercialRealty.com. We do help doctors all across the country. Um, we may be able to help you wherever you're at. If we can't, we can refer a really good partner um, who's trusted and will will take equally as great a care as, as we would to you. But it doesn't really matter where you're at. Um, uh, we can definitely help you and guide you and be a resource for you. So again, thank you, man. It's so great to see you. And I uh, look forward to seeing you in person when we're on the other side of this. I love what Dr. Fauci said. Uh, the cavalry is coming. That gave me yep. the chills when he said that the other day. No, it is. And, and folks, I want to again tell you, I, I've been using a five, and Brian, hang on until uh, after we sign off here. Um, I use a five, been using this five, uh, five word phrase uh, on my podcast, on my lectures, on everything. Anybody will listen to me. Folks, failure is not an option. I mean, this is a one year, maybe a little longer, one year blip in all of our lives that we are all going to, on New Year's Eve, everybody is going to be cheering wildly that 2020 is over. We all know that. But the dental profession is strong. It's stronger than I would have imagined it was going to be. Uh, my patients, uh, my, my doctor's patients are, they're coming in, they're having work done. They realize that COVID-19 is a virus that can be mitigated, vaccine or not, if your mouth is healthy, and that's the word, that's the story that you've got to give to your patients is folks, this, this COVID-19, how horrible it's been and everything it's done to all of us. What it's done is it is, it is reinforced the fact that your patients need to know that by having a healthy mouth, this virus, this illness, and any other illnesses that are coming down the pike can be mitigated to some extent by good, healthy teeth and good quality dentistry. And we need to remember that. So uh, again, folks, if you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin, I'm at 657-279-3243. Email me at awiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at Eide Bailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. If you're interested in the research and development tax credit, go on to www.idebailey.com forward slash dental rd and we've got some great information and you can contact us about that uh on this webinar on december the 9th which is the day this is coming out we're going to be talking about tax planning and we've got a whole series of webinars uh with six local dental societies here in southern california uh please if you're you know if you're if you're a member of these societies it's los angeles west los angeles uh, Orange County, Harbor, San Gabriel Valley, and San Fernando Valley. But even if you're not a member of one of those societies, get a hold of me. It's all virtual. The more, the merrier. I think our platform at iBailey holds 5,000 people. Um, you know, let, let, let's get you on here. We've got a lot of good information coming down the pike. 
Go to our Decisions in Dentistry Partners website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Click on uh, podcast. You can get a 30-minute complimentary consultation with a dental CPA who's a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. And go to our website for our our wonderful, wonderful group, my my wonderful friends at the ADCPA, 24 CPA firms that represent over 10,000 dentists. Anywhere in the country, we got you covered, www.adcpa.com. Org. Brian, thanks for your time. Thanks for your great information. I mean, you are just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, and uh, you can uh, you can go ahead and take the kids out of the freezer. I, I don't know. Maybe you want to thaw them or something. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, that's up to you. Anyway, folks, uh, that is it for this episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Please, God bless all of you. Please stay safe. Um, and uh, we'll keep bringing you this great information. Please tell all your friends about the podcast. We want to get as many people getting this great information as possible, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.